That's why one day I came out to my team. Not in a sexual orientation way, but I literally was like, for the past year I've been lying to y'all. She's like, what? Literally, for the past year, everything besides my name and the fact that I love Brussels sprouts, I've been lying to y'all. You're like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, just hear me out. From now on, I'm gonna start showing my most authentic self. They were kind of scared. They were like, maybe we skip work on Monday because I don't know who's gonna show up. <laughs> but I really encourage y'all to do this. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quintuitas podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. And typically each week we bring you a different guest to join us for a very candid conversation around their journey between professionalism and authenticity. That said, this week, we got something a little special for y'all. Because of the success on this show and the stories and experiences that y'all are sharing, I'm packaging that information and taking it to corporations as professional development content. On one side is to educate their employee base, their leaders, their executives on what professionalism actually means or why we need to redefine it and how their organizational culture could be a lot more diverse, inclusive and accepting. For the individuals and the employees, I'm aiming to empower them to be their most authentic selves and unlearn all the things that they've been trained to believe around professionalism and executive presence. So what you're going to hear today is a speaking engagement that I did at, well, I can't say the name of the company. For whatever reason, they don't want me to include that, but let's just say it's a large financial institution in the Midwest. In fact, if you heard last week's episode, that was the second half of the speaking engagement, which was a fireside chat. So what you're going to hear this week is the first half of that same hour-long conversation. If you work in an organization and you want me to deliver similar professional development content, whether it be a full hour-long keynote, because this is like a 20 to 30 minute version of that. So it's a very shortened version because they wanted most of it to be a fireside chat. So if you want me to come to your organization and deliver a longer or shortened keynote and or fireside chat, please email us at hola at plural.com. If you're not sure how to spell that, be sure to check out the show notes of this week's episode. Now that you know a little bit more about today's episode, let's just get into it. Every morning, I actually go to the cafe and I actually sit there for like two hours and just journal. And people are like, how do you journal for two hours? Like, I'm like, I have so much anxiety, the amount of things in my head, I just need to like transfer that energy out. Anyone else sit there, coffee? Love you journaling? Love that, love that. It's interesting though, like when I, when I reach my like euphoria of like this is an amazing experience is when I start dreaming. And I've been obsessed with this idea of redefining professionalism because I've had so many different jobs in tech from Facebook to TikTok. And I felt like I've always dreamed about tech because it was this opportunity for me to finally be myself. That's it, speaking of dreaming, how do you know when you dream big enough? Anybody? You're scared. Ooh. Yeah, I like that one. I used to think that. Now, I've realized that it's when people call you crazy. <laughs> you, ever, you ever share your dream with someone and they're like, you're, you think you're gonna do that? I literally talk about this idea of redefining professionalism and people call me delusional online. They tell me I'm living in a fantasy land. 
In fact, I'll give you a secret. I was pitching myself for a speaking opportunity for a Milwaukee-based company, not this one, obviously, because I'm here. <laughs> but I was presenting them my slides, walked them through the content, and they said it didn't align with their values. I'm like, what? Professionalism, inclusivity, making everyone feel accepted? Meanwhile, you go to their website and their values are literally inclusiveness, <laughs> responsibility, things like this. But they describe themselves as a conservative company. So when the conversation started on authenticity and some of these things may make you uncomfortable, it may, but I promise it's for the better. Let's get started. So I typically do this game, have this exercise on social media where I put up pictures of famous individuals and I just ask a simple question, yes or no? Simple, right, yes or no? Do they look unprofessional? Let's start off with a simple one. Katy Perry, she's got pink hair, bright lipstick, Leather jacket with the studs, quite fashionable. What do y'all think, yes or no? All right, let's do this easier. I'm hearing some no's, hearing some yeses. If you, if you think yes, unprofessional, raise your hand. Okay, a couple brave. Um, can I get a runner for the microphone to, to, so I can get some feedback as to why? No, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. In the meantime, while the runners do get situated, I will share where people share on social media. And feel free to ask. People are like, well, what role is she in? Is she client-facing? Is she in IT? Is she interviewing? Is she presenting to the C-suite? Fair questions, right? And we do have a runner. Who, who said no, by the way? Well, this is a conversation. This is a safe space. Anybody want to share why? <laughs> it's OK. <laughs> Okay, we, ha we have a brave one over here. Thank you so much. Sure. And feel free to ask clarifying questions as well, same that I asked. So I didn't raise my hand and say no, but I would say that if someone said she was unprofessional, the question would be, who's her audience? So if she is mm. in C-suite, yeah. talking to the CEO or CFO mm -hmm. with pink hair, pink lipstick, blue eyeshadow, studded jacket, yeah. would they be distracted by the way she looks instead of hearing her message? Well, I didn't ask if they were distracting, but if they were unprofessional, yes. <laughs> yes, but... Situational is what I'm hearing. Okay, fair. Let's move on to the next one. Face tattoos. Ooh, I heard some... Ooh, now I'm gonna get less feedback on this one. But we would in the United States call this a face tattoo. In New Zealand, the, a lot of the indigenous communities have permanent ink on their face. This woman was the first anchor to actually have this permanent ink on her face during a segment. Is this unprofessional? It's not unprofessional. Okay, I'm seeing a lot of no's. Anyone want to raise their hand and say yes, it is unprofessional? That's fine, I didn't expect y'all to. Here's what people said. <laughs> Here's what people said on social media, which is interesting. People were like, oh, well, it's cultural. Let's give her a pass. Seeing a lot of head nods. Someone even said, as long as they don't look like one of those rappers. Which, let's move on. 
Little Uzi Vert. Now, head wrap, face tattoos, I'm not, his art, I'm not his tattoo artist, but I would assume that they're not cultural to some sort of indigenous community, maybe, maybe not. Piercings as well. Again, I'll ask y'all, is it unprofessional? Yes, it's unprofessional. Do you want to share why? Like, what in particular? Thank you so much, by the way. I really appreciate that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Too much. I think it's professionalism. I think it's about you're supposed to be there for being about the work, being about what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being very authentic, being very upright in your own professional style, just things maybe not the right fit for work. That's fair. And do, do, would you say it depends where you work as well? Like maybe here compared to like a, I don't know, Google or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Who else? Anybody else? I didn't expect that. All right. Anyway, but what you're hearing in these few examples is that things are situational, right? Depends who you're presenting to. Depends where you work. Well, um, maybe the jewelry. It's too much. I know. I know a lot of y'all feel that it is unprofessional because. If y'all didn't feel that way, I would see a lot more Uzi verts in the crowd. Right? Fair to say? But it's interesting. What I want y'all to get comfortable with is that we're all biased. The guy up here talking about authenticity in the workplace is biased. In fact, let's go back to that coffee example. This morning when I went to the cafe, I walked out the first one. Because I like my baristas to look like Brooklyn hipsters. The more tattoos and the piercings, the better that latte is going to be. Okay? If I walk into that cafe and I see this little short Latina lady that looks like my mom, I'm getting getting out of there. Oh, my God, too. The third strike is I'm out. All right. I'm getting out of there. Because in my experience, I'm not accustomed to seeing people that look like my mom make a latte. I'm used to them making drip coffee in a mocha pot. Right? Now, let's let's be fair. The machine does most of the work. How someone looks has nothing to do with how well they can make a latte, right? But we've been trained to believe, like in many professions, that a certain look is attributed to success. In fact, I use the word professionalism on purpose. Because if you look at the definition, it has nothing to do with how you look. Yet we often use this word to unqualify many people. Same thing with executive presence. But when you look at little Uzi Vert and you call him unprofessional, what you're saying is that I don't believe that someone looks like him has a necessary skill or competence for this role. That's it, because when you look at the definition, that's all it's about, skill or competence. But we've been trained to believe, based on media, all these things, that it has to do with something else. Now, what's the impact on this, on this word, on this perception, right? This idea of reveling in tech, I also think it's as big as a dream that can come to fruition, but it's as big as a dream as my dream to redefine professionalism. This idea of enjoying oneself in a lively way, I think it's audacious, I think it's bold, but is everyone allowed to do it? 
Because I'll be honest, I did not think I was allowed to do it. In fact, when you look at data, 37%, people of color are 37% more likely to compromise their authenticity at work. There's similar, similar data stats for Latino audience, 76% of Latinos at work hide who they are, three out of four. Now, it's not just people of color, it's women. Even white men do it. You're like, I'm doing it right now, look at that. <laughs> but it's interesting, I dare you to look at any of these studies. What you'll find is nothing but anonymous quotes. You ever thought, why, isn't that weird? Like, we're scared to share why we hide who we are at work. Retaliation, personal branding, there's a lot of challenges within this. So this quote up here to the top left, it's rare for someone to put a face and a name to some of these stories. But today you're gonna hear some. In fact, let's get into some actual examples of when there is conflict between that authenticity and professionalism. Anyone know who this is? There we go, y'all in finance, right? I thought you were, there we go. <laughs> David Solomon, AKA DJ D Soul. Now when I found out he's a DJ, I'm like, somebody share the link. <laughs> is he good? Is he playing some good beats? The New York Times sort of like outed him in a way of like, hey, did you know the CEO of Goldman Sachs was a DJ? Now, this is one of the most powerful businessmen in the world, right? I'm like, I could do whatever I want if I was him. Board of directors said that you can't be a DJ and CEO of Goldman Sachs. It didn't align with their vision of what a CEO is supposed to look like. Again, maybe unprofessional. Do you think this takes away from his skill or competence? I'm sure some of y'all do worse, you know? <laughs> but it's fascinating. Now, if, if his authenticity is being questioned, imagine us. Imagine the VPs, directors, managers, everyone under him. Let's get into another example. Anyone know who this is? Mark Pritchard, chief brand officer at P&G. Hid the fact that he was Mexican his entire career up until a few years ago because he was scared of the personal branding that would be associated to his association to that culture. Now, white presenting man, not everyone has the luxury of being able to just be like, yeah, I'm a white guy. But where does this all come from? Like, people think faking it <laughs> and hiding who we are starts when you enter work. No, like, I started, I learned that in, 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 at, at home. And many of us probably learned the same thing at home, right? Because our families are just trying to protect us. But you even got to think about, like, why is my family passing down these survival tactics generation after generation? Why are they telling me I need to get a certain haircut? Why are they telling me I need to dress up a certain way? Well, I like to think of this duality of Raphael. On the right side is my grandfather, and you know, let's say he's a boppy, looking sharp. This man would dress up every day in a suit, top hat, fedora, little, little feather on the side, even to get drinks with his like, friends at their apartment, not even the club. I'm like, why are you dressing up all the time? He was very in tune about this idea of like, let me impact someone's perception before they perceive me a certain way, right? 
But you also got to think about like, oh, I forgot, you grew up in a dictatorship with this other Rafael Trujillo. Very dangerous times. I mean, he had everyone on a payroll. Everyone was a spy. So there was a point where like, if someone came over to your apartment, you had to have a picture of like Jesus and Trujillo, right? And like any opposition, jail, death. So we get passed down these survival tactics and we end up assimilating. Now, it all starts with like how you dress in my research that I've done. How many people remember y'all first corporate job, internship? Anybody want to share what that swag looked like? How did y'all dress up? Just like this? Like my mom. Like my mom. Did you get any guidance from your mom? Did she tell you anything? How to dress? What to wear? Uh, no, I think just watched. Just watched. I mean, a lot of us just like walk into the first day of work, dressing however we do, and we just look around, right? And then we're like, oh, well, ugh, I got to go shopping, <laughs> right? To the point you start shopping and you now have two separate closets. How many people got to work in a, in a personal closet? Why? You're like, I don't even know. <laughs> but it's fascinating, right? We all literally go into a room, do an eye test, scan the room, and we adjust to the majority, right? Now, did you ever walk into work and someone told you you had to dress a certain way? Anybody? Hand raise? What'd they tell you? Uh, white shirt and tie. White shirt and tie. Anyone else? In the back. My boss told me I had to wear pants when I started Was that a man? Was that a man? No. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, sure. Someone told you you had to wear a suit in order to be promoted. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. I had to wear trousers and tops. Thank you. Interesting. Again, it doesn't take away from your skill or competence how you dress, but there's this idea of presentation, right? Now, I hope that for y'all it stopped there, the assimilation, because for me it didn't. I literally went on to be a full-on actor. And you're like, what does he mean? Was he on Broadway? No, 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 no. Like, I'll give you an example. Every Monday morning, what's that infamous question? How was your weekend? How many of y'all lie? <laughs> There's only so many weeks in a row that y'all could do laundry. All right? Now, I came up with like an elaborate, detailed idea. Like, I studied the brunch menus. I, I didn't even go to brunch to where they went or where people went in general. Like, I literally used to dedicate days out of my week to study white popular American culture to then put on this act of, they're gonna ask me about, you know, what shows am I watching? I love Insecure. But instead of watching Insecure, I would literally binge watch shows like Riverdale. Now, this is a very important detail. There's nothing wrong with expanding your preferences. Some of my white coworkers put me on to my favorite things in the world. Brussels sprouts? Oh, I love Brussels sprouts. 
Now, Friends, not my favorite, Seinfeld, love it. Test it out, see what you like. But there becomes a point in time where you try things out, you don't enjoy it, and you do it for the sole purpose of trying to be accepted. Now, in the research that I've done, people do this to different extents, but I literally dedicated days out of my week to study this, to perform when I got to work. I knew about the character development, I knew about the upcoming seasons, everything. Now, did it help? Because the story I told myself was that, all right, in order to get promoted, at, the same, at some level, we all have the same Excel skills. I need to differentiate myself. I need to build relationships with people. They need to see me differently. Now, did it work? I was sure. I was able to join in on some conversations, talk about Riverdale, make sure they knew what I was talking about. But I wasn't doing well at my job. I got my dream job at Facebook, and I was about to get fired or quit. Because instead of dedicating time to my job, I was dedicating time to being an actor. Also, people didn't see me differently. I would hand in a PowerPoint. People would say, that slide looks ghetto. Can you change that? Facebook has this amazing open space work environment where I would never work at my desk. Because why would you? Well, you can work from like the West Elm of, of an office. I'd be labeled unfriendly because I didn't work at my desk. I was labeled aggressive. Yet someone raised their voice and I raised it back, but I was the one that was labeled. A lot of y'all are doing this to feel accepted, and I promise you it's a waste of time. That's why one day I came out to my team. Not in a sexual orientation way, but I literally was like, for the past year, I've been lying to y'all. She's like, what? <laughs> literally, for the past year, everything besides my name and the fact that I love Brussels sprouts, I've been lying to y'all. They're like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, just hear me out. From now on, I'm gonna start showing my most authentic self. They were kind of scared. They were like, maybe we skip work on Monday because I don't know who's gonna show up. <laughs> <laughs> but I really encourage y'all to do this. And often people in the crowd are like, well, I'm scared, right? Because we hear the stories about what I just shared, the microaggressions, the racism, sexism, right? Like, how many people are scared to be themselves because of those things? No? Oh, yeah? Interesting, okay. You are as well? Interesting. I'm sure there's others, but you don't want to raise your hand, which is fine, I get it. Now, how many of y'all want to work in a toxic environment? Anybody want to raise their hand? Well, how do you know it's a toxic environment if you never show yourself? I say you actually need those signals. You want those signals. And people are like, oh, Pabell, in this economy? I'm not saying like you're going to quit your job, but I am saying you need to start showing who you are to see if this is a long-term place for you. And I started doing that. I'm gonna show one example, but I would often go to client dinners because I was in sales. And question, Thursday, not how was your weekend? What are you doing this weekend? I was like, oh, all right, you know what? I told my team I was finally gonna start being myself. Here you go. Fabel, what are you doing this weekend? 
Ooh, all right, uh, Friday and Saturday, I got two days, two different women. It's gonna be a blast. Huh? <laughs> Pabelle? In my head, I was like, they're not gonna take me seriously after this. Next time I present, they're gonna be like, look at that. I'm not gonna listen to them. He has, forget all of his ideas, forget all the value he's bringing. I'm just gonna focus on the fact that that's who he is. Now, this is not my cue to tell you to like start sharing your host stories. But this is a cue to start thinking about what you're hiding from people. Because I struggled so long to build a relationship with some of my clients because I couldn't, there's only so much riveter I can talk about. There's only so much studying I could do. There's only so much acting I could do. Also, I couldn't differentiate myself from anyone at the table. Everyone was talking about Riverdale. Yet when I started talking about Tinder, Oh my, these clients back in my day, I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> but I became differentiated. But it literally went against everything I was taught at home, reiterated at work, right? They want you to fit in, fit a certain mold. Well, by fitting in, by definition, you don't stand out. You want to stand out. And this is when I started doing well in my career. After this, before thinking about getting, you know, about to get fired, about to quit, I didn't receive a performance review that wasn't exceeded expectations. It's just a math problem. You have 100% of your time, you're dedicating half of it to hide who you are. Y'all are doing amazing work right now, but I promise you, you're never gonna do your best work until you stop faking it. That's why I launched this podcast called Quien Dueras, where now, it's in the top 2% of all podcasts globally. And when I spoke about those anonymous quotes, now you have stories to hear about the conflict that people go through between professionalism and authenticity. Each episode, there's a story with a face and a name attached to them. And in over 100 episodes, it's the same thing. Everyone says the same thing. Literally, at birth, I was taught to be a certain way. I was taught who I should be and who I couldn't be. I start assimilating, I start faking it. Everyone has a breaking point where they realize it's a waste of time. They start being their most authentic self, met with a little bit of resistance, but they start doing their best work. Everybody. Now, the challenge is that breaking point, that moment when you realize it's a waste of time. Some people, it's a certain title. Some people, a certain age. Some people just need to see that representation, maybe on stage, and think, maybe I can start faking it. My goal is to help y'all. Maybe I can cut that timeline down, 10 years, 20 years. So you can finally start doing your best work and be your most authentic self. Thank you. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Can't Do It As podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor. Wherever you are listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple, there should be an option to leave a rating and a review. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like, share, comment. Your engagement on all these platforms just helps to ensure that these experiences get heard by as many people as possible. Because that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next time.